This is Tailgate Tomei. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back to recap week 12 in the world of college football, second to last week of the regular season, and it is set up a monster week 13, a monster final week of this regular season. We'll get into all that. We'll get into what happened in week 12. But first, a reminder, you can find me on all the social medias at Gorg on Sports, the same handle everywhere. This podcast is also part of the Believe Podcast Network. Okay, let's get into this thing. Let's get into week 12. I had a pretty nice week 12. I was up a unit on the week, and that took me to plus 22 units on all of my in-season bets, my week zero through 12 bets, down uh, just a little under two units on my futures bets, and still got a few out there. I got a bunch of Heisman bets out there. I got some national title bets out there. I got uh, Washington to win the Pac-12 and make the CFP bets out there. I got a couple in the G5. I still got UTSA to win the AAC at four and a half to one. I have UAB under four and a half regular season wins that can still hit, but I'm a, a little bit down on the futures. All in all, that takes my total uh, net for 2023 college football to uh, plus 20.32 units. So up just over 20 units for the season and looking to keep that going into week 13 and into the postseason. Just because the regular season is over does not mean I am going to stop betting on college football. We got championship Saturday. We got bowl season. We got the CFP. There is still a lot of football left to be played. And that means there is still a lot of football left for me to bet on. Uh, So in week 12, a a decent week, up a little bit there, but I want to start today's show by really talking about the one big thing that I'm taking away from week 12, and that is that the Washington Huskies deserve consideration as the top team in the country. They 100% deserve to be considered as the top team in the country. They came into this week number five, and I'm here to tell you as far as their resume goes, they are much closer to the number one team in the country than they are to the number five team in the country. And we'll see what the college ball playoff committee does on Tuesday night when they come out with their next round of rankings. But I I think it would be asinine to have them behind Florida state and not just because Florida state quarterback Jordan Travis went out with an injury and it looks like he could be out a while, potentially missing all the, the rest of the season, the college ball playoffs, whatever, It's because Washington has earned it with their play on the field. They've gone out. They've played a very challenging Pac-12 schedule, and they have won every game they've played. And I am somebody who was very high on Washington before the season. Uh, That September I thought was magical. But I am somebody who has thought they haven't looked fantastic since winning that Oregon game. But last night, I thought they proved a lot going on the road and winning in Corvallis. And, you know, if you listen to the the Week 12 preview show, I bet on Oregon State. I bet the under, and I bet Oregon State. And Washington came out with the win. 
And this is one of the things I always look for when I look for teams that I feel like are conference title contenders, national title contenders. It's can you win in different ways? Can you win left-handed, as I like to say? And Washington, for the most part this year, they had won in the style of game that they like to play, in shootouts, in throwing the ball around the yard. And, you know, especially you go back to early in the season, that non-conference schedule there where where they played Boise State, Tulsa, and Michigan State, and they were just putting up like 45, 50 points every week. They were throwing the ball around a ton in those games. Then you go to that Oregon game, and the same thing, right? They, they threw the ball a ton. They hit big plays through the air. They utilized those big-time wide receivers, and they did what they did, and that's fine. Everybody's got a fastball, right? But I always look for, can you win with your changeup? And slowly but surely, I've seen over the last month or so, really punctuated by last night, it seems like Washington has adapted a little bit, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So if you just kind of go through their game logs, especially early in the season, they were a much more pass-heavy team. We were questioning, like, what does that run game look like? Can they rely on the run game? Well, in the last three games... Against USC, they went for 316 yards on the ground. They they ran the ball 42 times. Against Utah, they ran the ball 33 times for 125 yards. And then last night, they ran the ball 25 times for 110 yards. And it's not, you know, that doesn't jump out to you four and a half yards per carry, 4.4 yards per carry as the greatest yards per carry in the world. But Dylan Johnson, I think, has really emerged for Washington as a threat. He's a guy, last night, he went 16 carries, 89 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. He broke uh, he, he broke a long 43-yard run in that game. And I feel like he is really emerging as a threat for them and somebody they can turn to where when you're in a game in Corvallis in November and it's raining, maybe it looks like it's borderline going to snow, it's in the high 30s, and you can't just chuck the ball around the yard. They had another option. Dylan Johnson provided them that other option, and they're able to go out and they win a 22-20 game in difficult conditions, in a difficult place to play against a top 15 team. And I'm look, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, treat Oregon State as a top 15 team because that's what they are. And I am nervous. I am scared. I'm petrified that Washington is not going to get the credit they deserve for going out and beating a top 15 team on the road, a team that was 8-2 and coming into the day because that team is named Oregon State. If that team was named Tennessee, I think they would get a lot more credit for that game. And I don't, I'm scared that that is going to hurt Washington. I'm scared the perception of some of these teams that they play in the Pac-12 is going to hurt Washington. For my money, you line up Oregon State and Tennessee right now, I'm going to bet on Oregon State all day, every day. And you look at some of the rankings out there. You look at the SP Plus ranking, uh, it's a number I reference a ton on this show, Oregon State's number 12, Tennessee's number 22. Oregon State is a very good football team. Oregon State, per SP Plus, let's just see where, where they would stack up. 
in the SEC. Oregon State would only be behind Georgia. Okay, makes sense. Alabama, absolutely. And then they're just behind LSU. They are about equal to LSU in the SP plus rankings. If they had a game on a neutral field, SP plus would have LSU favored by less than a point. It would essentially be a pick em. Uh, LSU is rated a 16.6, Oregon State a 16.5. That is how good Oregon State is. And I just want to, I, I want to make sure Washington gets the credit they deserve for this because it doesn't seem like the committee has respected what they've done so far this year. And I get it. I get that they've looked a little sluggish the last month. I do. But at the end of the day, they are going out and they are winning games. And they are now winning games in a different way than they want to, which I think says a lot. You look at these resumes. You look at the wins Washington has. And let's just use let's use the most recent AP poll and then let's use the, the updated SP Plus rankings because these are games that take care of, these are rate ratings that take into account what happened in week 12, the week 12 results. The most recent CFP ratings do not. Washington has wins over AP number six, Oregon, AP number 15, Oregon State on the road, AP number 16, Arizona on the road. So they have three top 16 wins. Florida State has a neutral site win over number 14 LSU. I'm sorry, num yeah, number 14 LSU, and that's it. They don't have a, a solitary other win over an AP top 25 team. Georgia wins over number 10 Missouri, number 12 Ole Miss, and number 25 Tennessee. I would say that compares very favorably. But I think Washington's is better because Washington has that higher top-end victory by beating Oregon. You, Georgia hasn't played anybody the caliber of Oregon. Ohio State is beaten number 11 Penn State, number 17 Notre Dame. And Michigan has just one top 25 win over number 11 Penn State. I think Washington, I think Georgia and Washington, if you look at their very top-end wins and, and just use AP rankings, it's Washington and Georgia are kind of neck and neck right there. Now let's look at SP+. It's very similar. Washington has wins over number four, Oregon, number 12, Oregon State, number 23, Arizona, number 30, USC, and number 37, Utah. So five wins over the top 37-ish, including three top 25. Florida State has beaten number 11, LSU, number 24, Clemson, per SP+. Number 27, Miami, number 36, Duke. Georgia has beaten number 16, Ole Miss, number 17, Missouri, number 22, Tennessee, number 33, Kentucky, number 38, Auburn. Auburn, who just lost to New Mexico State, by the way. Let's not forget that when we talk about how good the SEC is and we start having this conversation, which I'm sure is bound to happen, about why Georgia and Alabama both belong in the college football playoff, uh, which... We'll get to that when the time comes. But let's just not forget that Auburn just lost to, lost to New Mexico State. Ohio State's beaten number six, Penn State, number 10, Notre Dame, number 31, Wisconsin. And then Michigan has beaten number six, Penn State. And their next best win 
is over number, I believe it's 39 Maryland. Yeah, number 39 Maryland. When you just look at those ratings, when you look at the teams that they have beaten, Washington has a better case for number one than number five. If you look at ESPN's college football power index, Washington has the number one strength of record in the country. And strength of record essentially reflects the chances of your average top 25 team or of how the average top 25 25 team would fare against that schedule. The chances that the average top 25 team would have that team's record or better against that schedule. Washington is number one in that strength of record metric. Ohio State number two, Michigan three, Florida State four, Georgia five. When it comes to strength of schedule, Washington is number 35. And again, strength of schedule is defined by the rank among all FBS teams of games already played from the perspective of an average top 25 team. So Washington's number 35, Ohio State's 45, Michigan's 59, Florida State's 62, Georgia's 65. I have not seen a metric yet whether it's top wins against AP teams in the AP top 25, your best wins against teams based on SP plus, whether it's strength of record, whether it's strength of schedule that shows me Washington should be number five out of the five undefeated teams. So that is my big takeaway from this weekend is I think Washington is a lot closer to the number one team in the country than the number five team in the country from a deserving perspective, from a resume perspective. I'm still not quite sure how I'd power rate them. I don't know. You know, I, I would make Washington. Now it's not really fair without Jordan Travis, but I would certainly make Washington a favorite over FSU on a neutral field without Jordan Travis. I don't think I would have them favored over Georgia. I don't think I would have them favored over Michigan. I, I think I would have Georgia number one, Michigan number two just from a power ratings perspective um and i don't know if i would have them the the ohio state one's very interesting ohio state how i'd power rate that would be interesting but you know what i don't think that should really matter i'm a firm believer when it comes to the college ball playoff when it comes to seating what should matter is what you did on the field and what your resume looks like not how good you think that team is, not how talented you think that team is. Because otherwise, why do we even play these games? And if we're going to go down this road too, I feel the same way about Texas and Alabama. If Texas goes 11-1 and in the regular season, wins the Big 12, and Alabama goes 11-1 and in the regular season, wins the SEC championship game over Georgia... Alabama should not get in over Texas. Texas went out, went to Tuscaloosa, beat them in their barn. And if you're going to put Alabama in over Texas in that scenario, then what is the point of playing these games? We might as well just look at the recruiting rankings and simulate the season using NCAA 2014 and just line up a playoff. Because there doesn't seem to be a point of playing these games. If you are going to put Washington as the number five 
undefeated team, given the teams they've played and the teams they've beaten. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. Doesn't seem to be any point to play these games. If you would put Alabama in over Texas, if they were both one loss teams, both one loss conference champions, because Texas beat them in Tuscaloosa. Now you could say I'm being preemptively mad, getting preemptively upset over something that hasn't happened yet. And yeah, that's that's true. This hasn't happened yet. But based on the way the committee has treated Washington so far, I am I I just see this scenario where they do not get the respect they deserve. Now, fortunately, I think this is all going to hopefully take care of itself because we do have five undefeated teams going into week 13, which is awesome. And I need to do some research on this because I don't remember the last time there has been this many undefeated power five teams going into the last week of the regular season. And because Michigan and Ohio State play each other, at most there will be four undefeated conference or undefeated power five teams. And I think that, you know, I am perfectly fine saying that if there are four undefeated Power 5 teams, those are the four teams that go should go to the college football playoff. I think that's very consistent with what I just said about the games having to matter. And we're going to get into this interesting situation here, I mean, where we have these monster games. Obviously, Ohio State-Michigan, the game, is the biggest game because it seems like every year now, this is determining the division, this is determining the conference, and this is determining... Uh, who is going to make the college football playoff last year? They both did, but the year before it was just Michigan and it's a, uh, it's, it's just a very, I, I got to find out when, cause I cannot remember. I cannot remember a time with this many undefeated power five teams going into the last week of the regular season. So that's my big takeaway for this week from week 12 is I thought Washington looked very good. I was impressed the way they were able to win in sloppy conditions in a really tough place to play against a really good football team in a style that they don't necessarily want to play and how they were able to adapt to that and come out and get the victory against Wash Air against Oregon State in that game. And I was impressed by Washington. I'm impressed by their resume, and I think they deserve to be closer to the number one team in the country come Tuesday than they do the number five team in the country come Tuesday. That was really my big takeaway. Uh, as far as some of the other games, you know, this wasn't the biggest weekend. It didn't have a ton of marquee matchups in this one. It's kind of how this tends to go in the second to last week of the regular season. Another game that I watched a lot of and I felt like I really took something away from was the Texas-Iowa State game. Now, Texas certainly has a major talent advantage over Iowa State, but that is a place where they have struggled and a lot of teams struggled. And I just continue to view this Texas team as different than the Texas teams before them. That game in that situation, in that place, is 100% a game previous Texas teams would have lost. And they didn't. And Texas, I felt like, really dominated that game, really controlled that game. They held Iowa State to nine yards rushing. They had a couple of uh, touchdowns called back due to penalties, which is a concern. But for my money, 
I think Texas has one of, if not the best defensive lines in the country. And that's going to take you a long way. And it's it's going to be interesting to see. Quinn Ewers seems like he's still a little bit banged up. If they can get through these next two weeks and they can make it to the college football playoff, if they can get him healthy, I'm really curious what they can do when they get there. Texas seems to me like they are so close to being a complete team. They're so close to playing a complete game. But every week, there's something that's just a little bit off. This week, it was penalties, right, where they get these these touchdowns called back. They also had a fumble at like the 9 or 10-yard line uh, as they were driving down the field. It's little things that are just holding them back. And maybe that is the difference between them and the great teams in this year of college football. Maybe that's the difference between them and a Michigan, them and a Georgia. But I still view this as a huge step up for Texas. This year, no matter what happens for them, I think has to be seen as a huge, huge success. And I think Texas and Texas fans should feel really good about what they've done this year and where they're at going into the SEC. Let's look ahead a little bit to week 13 and obviously going to do a a lot more later in the week as as we look into this big week. But my early read on the game is that I still like Michigan. Michigan did not play its best game against Maryland yesterday. Maryland gave them a good battle uh, Maryland did some things through the air that was were interesting. They were able to hit some big plays on Michigan. They, they could barely run the ball at all, but Maryland did hit some big plays through the air, which, you know, normally you'd say like, okay, that's maybe Ohio State will hit some big plays on them. They have Marvin Harrison. They have Emeka Buka. They're always an explosive offense, but they aren't that explosive this year. They aren't that Ohio State offense that we're used to seeing. They still, of course, have Marvin Harrison. He still makes big plays, but it's not that same offense that we saw a year ago with C.J. Stroud. If C.J. Stroud was the quarterback for Ohio State right now, I'd feel a lot different about this game. Feel a lot differently about this game. I think I don't take too much away from this these Week 12 matchups for Ohio State and Michigan because it's just a tough week for them. Michigan kind of has the letdown look-ahead sandwich coming off the Penn State game with the Ohio State game. That's part of why I bet on Maryland in this game. And last year, they really struggled with Illinois. They went down to the wire with Illinois, and then we know what happened in the game. I think Michigan should be closer to a seven-point favorite over Ohio State in this game. I really kind of view Ohio State as a as a J, JV strong, right? But they they are this year they seem to be built more like Michigan, but they're not as good as Michigan. They're playing similar types of games as Michigan. They're defense first, but I think Michigan has the better defense. I know Michigan has the better offensive line. I think Michigan beats them in the trenches again. And I think Michigan should be closer to a seven point favorite in this game. I think Michigan has the better quarterback in this game. And the line right now is about three and a half. I got it. Look ahead a couple weeks ago, Michigan minus five and a half. I grabbed it again today at minus three and a half. I really think this game, this line should be closer to minus seven. I think Michigan should be about a touchdown favorite in this game. And anything under that, 
I, I'm want to grab. The one concern maybe for Michigan is the offensive line and uh, being a little bit banged up there. So yesterday their starting offensive lineman didn't start against Maryland. Ladarius Henderson didn't start, but Sharon Moore said who was working something out. He'll be back next week. Seems like not a concern for them. The backup came in and, and he got hurt as well. So maybe that's, that's a question mark, but it seems like the starter is going to be back next week. And Michigan does have a ton of depth on that line. I feel like they're going to be good to go from that perspective. There's something that you're going to worry about. Maybe that's it. I don't know, man. I just don't trust. I don't know how you can look at this Ohio state offense and really trust that they're going to be able to do a ton against Michigan. It's not an offense that has been super explosive all year. It's certainly not an offense that has, has had a ton of success running the ball. Guess with Travion Henderson, they run the ball a lot better. And they're going to have Travion Henderson. So that, that is good for the Buckeyes. But this is just not the Ohio State. This is not the Ohio State offense we have come to expect. And I don't think they can beat them. I don't think anybody in the country can beat Michigan playing Michigan style. You can beat Michigan, but it's not going to be out Michiganing Michigan. It's not going to be with defense and on the lines. That is not how you are going to beat Michigan. And my fear in this game is that is what Ohio State has become. I know they're going to try to get the ball to Marvin Harrison, but I just don't trust that they are the Ohio State offense, that they are the offense that can really push this Michigan team and make them get into a shootout like TCU did against them in the college football playoff a year ago. So I really do still like Michigan in this game. I think they should be closer to a touchdown favorite. And uh, I'm in on Michigan minus five and a half. I'm in on Michigan minus three and a half. And certainly if that line were to drop below a field goal, I will absolutely be in on Michigan again at two and a half if it comes to that. So that's our show for today. I'm going to be back later this week breaking down all the Week 13 action. It is going to be a huge Week 13. Uh, we got games on Thanksgiving Day. We got a ton of Black Friday games. And then, of course, Saturday as well. It's one of my favorite college ball weekends in the year because it does span three days there. It does go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you have so many great rivalries. This week is, is, is a huge part of what I think makes college football great. The game will certainly be the game that we're all focused on, but there are a bunch of others that are going to be big as well. We got a crazy Big 12 race that we still got to figure out. Texas is the only team in that conference that actually controls its own destiny so there, there's a bunch of teams still eligible to be playing in that Big 12 championship game. We got some pretty wild rivalries in the Pac-12 with a little extra on the line. Washington and Oregon both have college ball playoff hopes, and they are playing schools that they have essentially left behind, left to wither and die in Oregon State and Washington State. So there's certainly going to be a little bit of extra juice in that rivalry. And then we have Arizona 
Arizona and Arizona State, you know, Arizona, one of the best, if not the best, I think it's them and Kansas as the two best two-year turnarounds that we've seen over the last two years. Arizona still has a chance to make the Pac-12 championship game if they can beat Arizona State and Oregon State can beat Oregon. Uh, It's not impossible, not impossible by any means. And who would have thought two years ago, even last year, that Arizona could be in the Pac-12 championship game, that Arizona would be sitting at 8-3 and going into the final week of the regular season. So there is a lot to look forward to. We also have a huge week of college hoops. We have Feast Week. We got the Maui Invitational. We have the Battle for Atlantis. We have them all. There is so much college sports. There is so much to bet on. And uh, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing over the course of this week. So I will be back later this week to preview week 13, to talk a little feast week. I can't wait to do it. I hope you, you can check it out as you're driving wherever you're going for your holiday. And I hope everybody has a great holiday and enjoys all the college sports that we have to look forward to this week. Uh, That's our show for today. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.